Blog Talk Radio. Hello and good morning. This is uh, Ursula Pottinger and uh, my good friend and business partner Anne Betts. And it is January 7th of 2014 and uh, we want to welcome you to our show where we dive in deeply into the art and science of human transformation, looking at neuroscience, consciousness and transformational coaching and we have a really really cool subject today and it is how words can change our brain Um, and since we um, as human beings at least this is true for me um, are chatterboxes (laughs) and we use words a lot It really is astonishing to me that the kind of words we use have an impact on how our brain looks. So, Anne, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. I think well said. And I wanted to actually start us out today with a little exercise that that we've seen Dan Siegel do. Um, So I'll just do this very quickly. And for those of you who are listening either live or virtually, just see how you feel. Um, Are you ready? Ready, Ursula? Hmm. Yep, I am ready. Okay. No, 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 no. All right, got that? Don't need to Mm -hmm. say anything. All right, Mm -hmm. ready for the next one? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Wow. So, um, wow, what did you notice, Ursula? It's interesting with the no, 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 with every no, I could feel myself, um, it's almost like I was on a ladder, and with each no, I was going down the ladder, one one step down, I could literally feel it in my body, and then when you started with yes, it was like I was climbing up the ladder, and I could actually (laughs) feel myself smiling. It was really oh, interesting. Great. I could really oh, feel it. That's just great. I love that. I love that. Well, that really ties into, uh, you know, the, the, what we're going to talk about today. And, and you know what I was, when I was getting ready for this last night and thinking about talking to you today, I was thinking about how for many of us in the, in the coaching field, you know, we do get dismissed sometimes by, quote, more realistic people as being sort of Pollyanna. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, by, unrealistic. You know, the, the cheerleading, um, you know, positive aspect, the, the cheerleading and the acknowledgement uh, that we really um, support our clients with, I think, does does get looked at often as, you know, an or like what positive view, yeah, right? Or like what we're doing isn't the, you know, it's not really, it's not really hardcore. It's just sort of fluff, and it's just kind of like, you know, it gets dismissed with lots of different words. And I really, you know, part of what has been really delightful, I think, for me and Ursula, is um, the debunking of a lot of that, and really showing that. Um, this stuff is is critically important to our to actually to our health and survival. Um, we have a T-shirt in, somewhere in our Be Above supplies that we got at the airport one time. It says, "The beatings will continue until morale improves." 
And I, yeah, I we, do, we, we are collecting T-shirts. We, we are very yeah, good we'll, at that. <laughs> so, you know, if you find any more, let us know. But that was one of ours that we got because it, it really um, it, it speaks to, I think, how a lot of the world looks at negativity versus positivity and, um, and sort of the importance of being realistic. And we're with what they might call realistic, that we know is just actually detrimental to health and effectiveness. Yes, and uh, um, I, just as you are talking, um, it reminds me, uh, my oldest daughter and her husband took a um, personality test yesterday. Um, and um, uh, the personality test proved that... Um, John um, has a tendency towards positivity, and Nadine has a tendency towards negativity, and what, uh, or not negativity, but realism, I should say. Um, <laughs> realism. And what, yeah, realism, you know, be, being the sort of the reality check. In, in, in conjunction with this conversation, I was thinking how often we take this as a given. Oh, that's just how I am. I'm just the reality check, and I'm just yeah. positive. Yeah, and so let's talk about what this actually, this is, it's, a, it's, it's not like anything in the brain. Um, it's complex. I mean, Ursula and I often get asked, um, I, got a, I got a funny email the other day saying I'm writing a, writing a book and can you give me, like, writing a book and I want to link in the brain and can you, we're going to like have like half a page or a page on some of the neuroscience <laughs> behind this. <laughs> well, I, just, I can, you, can I write another book that goes with the well, book? Well, <laughs> it was really, it was very sweet and it was really lovely yeah. that the person reached out to me, but I have to tell you that one simple email, I sat with it for, you know, a number of days because I just didn't know how to answer it and and finally I just said, you know, can we please just talk because this is complex. And even this idea of, of the, you know, the, the way the no made you feel like you're going down the ladder and up and all of this, there's a biochemical and neurological impact on our brain. And, and, and it's, there's lots of different aspects to it. So maybe the place to start with is one of our old buddies, Rick Hansen. Should we just start with mm-hmm. Rick Hansen? Yes, yes let's, let's right. do that. We'll, we'll start with Rick, and um, Rick is the guy that wrote The Buddha's Brain, and for any of you out there in Blog Talk Radio land who want a really good uh, introductory book to the brain that really ties into the heart and um, you know the, the importance of living a more heart-centered life from a neuroscience perspective, The Buddha's Brain is probably a really, really good, you know, get-you-started book, and we think Rick is a genius. And so Rick talks about one of the things that he likes to say is the brain is Teflon for positive experiences, Velcro for negative experiences. Mm -hmm. And the reason being that Negative experiences, knowing how to avoid what is negative, is the best way to survive. It's a far better strategy than, than, than in terms of sheer survival than actually looking for positive experiences. Avoiding the saber-toothed tiger or the snake is, more, is actually more important than finding the berries. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah, or or looking at the, the saber toothed tiger and admire its uh, positively beautiful uh, fur <laughs> right. while it's while it's leaping at you. <laughs> right, you you just need to know we you know it it's so we we like to say we come with everything in the brain we come by it honestly and anytime you're you're wondering like what does the brain do that you know one of the best places to look is to look to see how did it help us survive how did it help us survive when we were small tribal groups on the african savanna Um, is there a, a way that we got programmed that helps us because it's probably mm-hmm. still going on today because we just simply do not evolve that quickly. And so this negativity bias when really, um, you know, this ability to scan for threats and be more primed for threats than for positive, that was really important to us those thousands of years ago where that was our lifestyle. Um, and it still plays a role. No, you don't want to lose your capacity to see what is a genuine threat, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, you know, for those of you that have young children, I mean, this is the first example that comes to my mind is, you know, as a child, you know, runs after a ball and, and runs onto the street, that uh, initial reaction and quick leaping and running to, you know, save the child is, you know, is so built in and it's still needed today. I just don't think as it's as needed as often and it's as, as well, permanently as it used to be. Yeah, I mean, so what, that's a great, I love that, I love that example, and you don't want to think, and you, um, you know, you end up in this really wonderful, strong, reactive state that, that really serves us now. Unfortunately, um, it, there's, there's a lot that will put us into that state, and negative words, just the word no, actually releases stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. Just the word. When I said no to Ursula, when you say no again and again to your partner or your child, no, 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 what you do is you you release the neurotransmitters that contribute to stress, stress stress-producing hormones. Mm -hmm. And because you're putting people in a state of and yourself in a state that is more akin to flight or flight. Mhm. Yes, and it it you know it is it's uh again what it reminds me you know, as I as you were saying no to me and I could feel this you know going down the ladder you know first it 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 triggered curiosity but then it really sort of uh, triggered more of a defensive kind of feeling mm-hmm. in me it's like no what do you mean no what do you mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you mean? why is it a no and what i find so fascinating about this is that ursula she knows she's seen dan siegel do this she knew i was going to do it or maybe she didn't know i was going to do it but she's, she knows the exercise her brain knows that I'm not really saying no to her. Even so, and it may have been true for you in listening to this, even so, the brain responds in a very primal way. And if you say negative words with anger, we, we react. These negative words do damage. They really send alarm messages through the brain. And if you think about it, you know, if you think about if Ursula and I are, you know, we're sisters and we're walking along in the African savanna and she says to me, I'm about to step forward, and she says, no, 
with alarm or with or I'm going to do something to her and she says it with anger she you know it's it it may be that there's a snake there or it may be that I've um you know we're not related and I've tra- you know kind of encroached into her territory and all of this it is designed to have us be in this in this threat state and what happens when we hear these words, especially spoken in anger or fear or with heightened emotion around them, is they send these alarm messages and this interferes with our decision-making capacity in the frontal lobe, in the prefrontal cortex. And so it actually increases a person's propensity to act irrationally. I'm quoting from a great article by Psychology Today called Words Can Change Your Brain. Um, I think that's this really fits with, we've talked before here about the Goldilocks of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. We had a show on that, didn't we, Ursula? Yes, we did, yep. Mm-hmm. So um, in that show and in some of our, our stuff we've talked about around that, we talk about research that shows that the prefrontal cortex needs a particular chemical balance. And when this chemical balance is upset, it loses its capacity to really think rationally and make good decisions. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that will upset this balance is simply negative words. Isn't that fascinating? I know it is fascinating. And I would also imagine that uh, certain negative words have certain negative memories for people. And then um, that the, the impact of that, I think, can be felt even more deeply. I know that certain people have a reaction to certain words, and it includes mm. me. It's, it's, it's mm. uh, uh, for example, the word but, which is, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, it's, just, it's really, it's a, it's a word that's used quite a bit in in. in in, you know, in sentences in our language. And I have sort of developed a negativity bias to, to the word, mm. um, but because for me it's a, it's a, it's, it equals no. And I think I have yeah. a memory of conversations that, mm. you know, it, it was always, yeah, you shouldn't do that, but, you know, this and that, and it's, uh, mm. and some people don't have that. So I think that also plays a role. Well, and, you know, you really raise an interesting an interesting issue, you know, to even broaden that out a little bit, which is, um, you know, the words are going to be different in different languages and in different cultures. And I think a lot of it, as we know from communication, there are, there are words and then there are the energy around the words. Mm-hmm. And we're listening on it. We're listening on many levels. Um, just as human beings, forget listening as coaches. We should talk about, you know, some of this relationship to coaching in a minute. But, um, you know, we're listening to the the actual word, but, but we're also listening to the energy. And is yes. the energy that I'm giving you, if I say, you say, you know, hey, Anne, let's go do this, you know, next year. I say, ah, but, you know, um, that's a that's different than if you say you know let's go do this next year and I say ah oh, but hmm subtle differences one there's mm-hmm. a little yes. they may have the same impact I don't know but one there's a little more openness to it mm-hmm. yes 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think also, and this uh, is just a side note because it really, this, uh, this comment really doesn't fit in here. Um, it also depends on the relationship, I think, that you have with that person. Um, it really, I think, shapes the way we, he- we, hear, we hear a conversation. I mean, I certainly yeah. know that about our relationship, there's a, there's a big difference if you would say but than when I would hear it, you know, let's say from my mom. Yes, and because of the context, and I think also this brings in um, some of John Gottman's research and Barbara Fredrickson's research that basically says we need to hear between three and five positive things for everyone negative for it to be a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's John Gottman's research with couples where he looked at, you know, predicting divorce among couples and he found this five to one ratio where if a couple was more than if it was five to one positive to negative, it was the couple was likely their marriage was likely to last. But if it was more than five to one, even three to one positive to negative, that couple was like much more likely to get divorced. And you can see this negativity bias, this Velcro mm-hmm. that we have, is really hard to overcome. And I think about, you know, for, for many of you, maybe many of our listeners, and certainly for me and Ursula, I think about how many positive comments we get when we're out training. Um, overwhelmingly positive, and luckily it's way more than five to one. But we can have a wonderful weekend of training where we have 20 people <laughs> in the room and 19 of them tell us that it was just fabulous and changed their life, and one person tells us something that we don't want to hear, and we will not be obsessing on the 19 that told us it changed their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I think this will be a new this this will be yeah this will be a new intention for me for 2014. I would love to obsess over the 19 that told us all these wonderful (laughs) told us all the wonderful things. And in fact, we actually started designing something with our groups because Mm -hmm. of this negativity bias. And I highly recommend this for those of you who are trainers. What we realized was that we really wanted to celebrate and we wanted to. uh, do something that Rick Hansen calls taking in the good. So mm-hmm. because of this, let me, I'll just talk about this for a little bit, Ursula, and then I'll talk about our, tra- our strategy. Um, what Rick talks about is because of this negativity bias, and this really goes to Barbara Fredrickson's work as well as Gottman's and Marshall um, Lasada's work as well with corporate teams, um, that you, what you want to do is focus, force your brain to focus on the positive. So he says what we should do in order to get ourselves less reactive and less having less of a natural negativity bias to be more resilient is what we want to do is take in the good and not be so Teflon for the good things we hear. And so when something good comes, somebody says you did a wonderful job or really like that, spend 10 to 15 seconds really allowing that experience in because that gets you beyond that Teflon so that you can train your brain to be looking more for positive and less for negative. So we, t- we talk about this in our curriculum on um, coaching and neuroscience and transformation. And so we just decided that we would start designing with our groups that at the end of a weekend time, program, that what we wanted to do at the end of that program was give ourselves the luxury of taking in the good. 
mm-hmm. of really hearing the positive things. And so we said, here's, here's what we'd like from you. If you've got something that's, you know, construct, what we might call constructive feedback or negative feedback, whatever it is, write it down. And uh, write it down so you don't forget it. Make a note of it. Don't tell us right now. We really want to have the chance to celebrate the accomplishment, to celebrate the, you know, the wonderful time that we had together. So you can tell us anything positive. If you have something negative, it's not that we don't want to hear it. We just don't want to hear it right now. Mm-hmm. Because we want to fully take in the good and not have our brain go into this threat state. Because really, no matter how loving you are and how kind you are, if you, you know, you've got to, and I know, those of you who are coaches and trainers can relate to this. If you've been knocking yourself out, killing yourself, trying to give your best work over a three-day period or whatever it is, mm. day, even a phone call, <laughs> and what you get back, no matter is, you know, that was great, but I really want to tell you, here's what you could do to make it better. It's going to put your brain into a threat state. Yes. Which is which is okay. We need to hear some feedback. This is helpful. This has certainly made Ursula and I get much better as trainers over the years. We need to hear that. But it doesn't necessarily have to be right then. So write it so we tell people write it down and if it's really important, email us in a couple of days. Or call us. You know? Yeah. Well we're yeah. always happy to hear it. Well maybe yeah. be happy to hear it, but we're grateful to hear it. Um but we don't yeah. want to hear it right now. Yeah, no, I think it, uh, um, it, it really, I just, I at the time, uh, felt that it was, um, really sort of groundbreaking to even ask that. And it felt actually a little scary. It's like, okay, you know, here we go. We're putting a new stake in the ground. But what this reminds me of also is um, a conversation that I had with a client a while back um, who had uh, just received an award uh, for, for, for something. And, um, you know, we were celebrating this and, you know, taking in the good. And then, as you know, as we were sort of doing that, you know, we were, you know, pondering what would be on the agenda for that call. And he said to me, he said, you know, why are we always going, you know, what's the next challenge? Why can't we just start with that and stay with that and, and yeah. just celebrate? And, you know, this was such a good um, heads up for me as a coach is that really also training the client is to celebrate the accomplishments and not always look for the next learning, the next challenge to overcome, the next, you know, dilemma, the next, you know, conflict or whatever it is that, that you're working on. But sometimes, you know, spend a whole call on just celebrating and taking in the good and affirming. Um, I, and, and so that, I, was, that it was great learning. That's really lovely. I I, um, I re- recognize myself in this. Because of this negativity bias, it shows you start being aware of it. It just shows up everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. to get on the phone call with so many of my clients saying, okay, what do you want to work on today? You know, mm-hmm. what do you what? What's going on? What's the what's the challenge? All of that. As and I love that you that you brought that up. And what a wise client. And I want to talk a little bit about what that does. When we have positive words and thoughts, they actually propel the motivational centers of the brain into mm-hmm. action. 
And this is mm-hmm. what the research says. They also help us build resilience, as I was saying. When we focus, take in the good, and instead of, you know, give us that 10 seconds of, wow, you know, Ursula, that was amazing, did a wonderful training. You're really gifted as a trainer, which is actually really, really, really true. You know, to take that in and, and really let your heart hear that. Take it all the way into your heart. What ends up happening is the more you can create that connection, that positive connection, instead of just letting it slip away, you know, it's, I, I think about this and it, what it reminds me of sometimes I watch people and they're like major league baseball catchers shaking off a call. You tell someone, mm-hmm. you know, wow, re- you know, I'm really proud of you. You did a great job. Oh, yeah, thanks. Nothing. No, it was no big deal. Like I had a lot of help. She's like shaking off the call. No, no, we're not not doing that. No, that's the wrong pitch. (laughs) Right. Oh, oops, too bad. Yeah. Oh, and rather than saying it's very, and it's very countercultural to stop and say, thank you, let me take that in. I really want to hear you. And I remember there's a a Zen um, teaching story. It's actually not meant to illustrate this point, but I'll tell it very briefly. The, the, um, there was an angry man who came to see the Buddha and um, was you know, yelling at the Buddha and telling him what a terrible job he was doing and corrupting youth and this and that. And, and the Buddha just smiled and, and kind of let the man go on until the man lost all of his energy and I guess eventually went away, something like that. And one of his acolytes said to him, you know, Buddha, what, how can you just do that? And mm-hmm. he says, well, if... If someone tries to give you a gift and you refuse to take it, to whom does the gift belong? Yes. And the man said, well, you know, I, I guess it belongs to them. Buddha said, exactly. Well, mm-hmm. so I think that's a really interesting thing and, you know, quite a shows quite moral strength if we cannot take it in and and you know certainly the brain reaction that we're talking about here says that to be at that buddha state you know takes a lot of training for taking in the good but it's also true if i try to give you a gift of a compliment and you don't take it you leave me with mm-hmm. it yes yeah no i i really i i agree i mean it's it's uh, it, it again it's something that uh, i t- i talk to a client about it's you know i said how would you feel if i you know wrap a, a gift in beautiful wrapping paper and, and put a beautiful bow on it and and i give it to you you know either for an event or for, you know or, or not just just because and and you turn around and say no thank you i don't want it it's it's, yeah. it's 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 the the words and and our uh, and and our loving kindness and our acknowledgement of some somebody um, really are that they are a rep, a, a beautiful wrapped gift. Uh, now the other thing that uh, that I I know also that that the research shows is that the 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 longer we we do this the more we practice that it will also um change our perception of ourselves how we see ourselves and therefore how we see others so we get yeah. a more more loving and more positive view of who we are being which then helps us see the the good in the world and the good in people far more than you know what's wrong with them 
that's yeah it's really it's like they taught i love that they love that and i love that annette that you actually said that to the to the client because i think for those of you who are coaches there's there's some training to help people understand because there's such a uh what ursula and i would call consensus reality pull or popular belief pull that it's that there's that it's kind of somewhat a little bit better to be a little more negative like it's realistic it's it's um mm-hmm. uh you know don't spend so much time on all of that happy stuff because you're not realistic but really what the research shows is that if you want to move your life into action so you know we thought this was a great conversation to have at the first of the year people are making you know new year's resolutions or intentions that your the more you can focus on what you're doing well and speaking well to yourself that that actually propels this motivational center of your brain into action in a way that beating yourself up simply doesn't and this is a major rewiring because i was talking to a client who was saying um and i was my view about like exercise or what or whatever you're trying to do you know whatever your whatever your new intention is at the first of the year, you're going to do this this year, is only do what's fun. And I want to mm-hmm. say more about why that, why that is. But do it, do what, do what you want to go toward. And this client was saying, oh, I think, because I was saying, you know, what, what, what delights you? She said, oh, I think we've been spending too much time with that. I think we're far too easy on ourselves when we don't make our resolution. Um, and the mm. answer is to be a little meaner. <laughs> Well, well, according to <laughs> yeah, the, the brain, beatings, the beatings will continue. The beatings will continue until my body gets into shape. Well, right. what ends up what ends up happening, and there's really interesting research on exercise around this, is that people who exercise and resent it don't get the benefit. You just don't even get the benefit of the exercise because it's counterbalanced by the terrible mm-hmm. stress hormones that you produce through your thoughts as you're out there mm-hmm. running going, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. Now, yeah. there also is a certain thing where it is true that if you can get over the hump to loving it, and sometimes it takes some time to get past the, oh, I hate this, to the, oh, I love it. That's fine. We're not talking about, you know, just developing a habit but people who exercise to punish themselves you know or punishing themselves and who do not love it you i'm sorry but you're not doing your body any good and this is why sometimes you see people that you think are in great shape marathon runners like that who have heart attacks anyway because mm-hmm. they actually they're not doing it out of love they're doing it out of sort of whipping their body into shape and has a very different impact and all of this is not woo-woo. It has to do with the biochemistry of our negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's so automatic uh, for the – I mean, it's not that there is an on or off button. We hear the words, we, we feel the negativity, and our brain will react um, and, it, and, and as you say, and it will take, uh, you know, will take practice to um, to strengthen that, uh, you know, positivity, that that intake, that that being with the good for for more and for longer and with greater awareness than we are used to. I think it would be a wonderful intention for people to have to to just speak 
nicer and kinder to themselves and mm. that really includes that includes me i mean i um you know i am you know i'm not any any different you know just having experienced a more or less sleepless night night because i was beating myself up over uh, over things and and really this is the other interesting thing I think that goes both with positivity as as well as negativity. Once it starts, it has a downward spiral, yeah. and once the positivity starts, it has an upward spiral. Yeah. So it it really does increase like a ripple effect. Yeah, I love that you say that, and just be aware that this po- this negative pull can be very strong because the brain is trying. You know, fundamentally, the brain is trying to keep us alive. You know, yeah. it's going to meet yes. basic needs before it meets higher needs. And this is why when you're really tired and you've been and tired and hungry and you're not well-fueled, well, your brain will shut down some of your higher functions because it's what's more important is to keep your heart beating, you know, and mm-hmm. keep your lungs breathing, keep oxygen flowing through your system, all of that. So the brain will always do what's necessary for our survival first. And so this negative place that we get into, and we were talking about, um, you know, how before we got on the call today, an Ursula's sleepless night, and there's something about our circadian rhythms that makes the amygdala, which is the part of our brain that scans for threats, very active about three or four in the morning for most people. And so, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just thinking, oh, my God, the ship is going down and we're all going to (laughs) die. The ship is going down. Uh, down and I am on it, and I am going down with the ship. <laughs> going down with the ship. All and it was interesting as as I was uh, yeah exactly as I was experiencing this I I was saying to myself you know I said this is such nonsense you will wake up in the morning and you will wonder why you spend three hours thinking about this and you will wake up in the morning and you know you will look out at the blue sky and you will think you know you you what a silly person you are <laughs> you lost three hours of sleep just because of that um, now as it well, happened I I. I yeah, I prefer to get up and, and, you know, do something about it. <laughs> well, and that's a great example of bringing some positive thoughts. And what Barbara Fredrickson says, she's just wonderful. She's at the University of North Carolina. She's written a lot of great books, and she's one of the founders of Positive Psychology. Highly recommend her. We need to have at least three positive thoughts or feelings for each expression of negativity. That's internal. So we talked mm-hmm. about Gottman's research, which says five interactions, like within a couple or partnership. You know, for ourselves internally, every one negative thought, we need to have three positive to counteract that. Yeah, and so talk to, about discipline. Yeah, consciously, repetitiously, really create these mm-hmm. positive thoughts. Make it a discipline. Make it a habit. Link it yes. to a habit. I got into a habit, and I um, I have to constantly remind myself it's becoming more habitual, um, that when I would get into bed, I would say to myself, I love you. That's a positive mm-hmm. thought. And so now I have a bit of a trigger there, and it's always really helpful in creating habits to create a trigger that says when I'm in bed, you know, I found myself thinking this, and I noticed it to become a habit because one day I walked into the bedroom, and without even thinking it, I automatically had this thought of this feeling of love for myself. But that wasn't mm. just this, you know, we tend yeah. to think these things that just exist sort of organically and naturally. No, what's natural is to be negative toward ourselves. So, But you can retrain 
cue yourself when you're drinking your coffee, say to yourself, I love you, you will over time develop an association with coffee that is self-love. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like the connection to to another part of us, be it smell or sound or touch, because that is something that is, that's a wonderful reminder and a, and a, you know, multi-sensory, and we are multi-sensory beings, and it is helpful to the brain to have some multi-sensory triggers. Um, So I, I love that it's either a touch or a, um, uh, or a smell or, or a taste. You know, it reminds me is that when I, when I touch my dog, it's, mm. it's, I, you know, I can't, I can't help but be positive when I, you know, when I stroke his, you know, soft, cute little head. I mean, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter what kind of negative thoughts run through my mind as soon as I look at him and touch him. It's that, that just goes. I love that, and it really it shows I wanted to make one other point before we wrap up, that um, it doesn't actually matter if your positive thoughts are rational or not. In terms of your motivation and in terms of enhancing your sense of happiness and well-being, irrational, happy thoughts are fine. They really are. Mm. They will create the biochemical response that will make you happier and make you more motivated. So when we think about intentions and intentions for our clients, and everybody has all of these, you know, these, a lot of times these to-do lists, to-do lists or um, New Year's resolutions, they look a lot like kind of marching orders to a difficult platoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to get you into shape, you little red heavy gonna, steel boots. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're going to whip you into shape. You're going to be more disciplined. You're going to write that book. You're going to get thin. Da 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 da. Rather than oh, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, well, and really, good luck with that because you're working against the way that you're wired. You're just be- mm-hmm. you're just falling right into the negativity bias. It's not motivating. It will actually make you less rational, less thoughtful. You want to be more rational, have more capacity to make decisions, more capacity to limit, to inhibit some of the some of the behaviors you don't want. Well, here is the answer: Stop being so damn mean to yourself. So I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah, what would you what would you call an irrational happy thought? Oh, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, "I'm the most beautiful woman in the world," mm. and not in a mean well, way true. to it's, other it's people. True. You know, it's, but it's true. That's irrational. <laughs> you know, it's a little irrational. Or you know, whatever whatever we hold to be irrational. You know, maybe mm. it's not really irrational. Yes. Maybe but for some people, saying "I deserve to be happy" feels irrational because their brain yes, is going to tell them, you know, well, you're a terrible mother and you never get to daycare on time and you don't deserve to be mm-hmm. happy. That feels irrational. You know what? It's okay. Keep telling yourself that. So I really believe if you want to make your New Year's resolutions come true or your clients, the best thing that you can do is cultivate a You know, make this the year of self-love mm-hmm. because everything you want writing your yes. book, getting six more clients, um, you know, losing 20 pounds, whatever it is, everything that you want will flow from a positive state. And this is true biochemically. You will yes, have more absolutely. access to the parts of your brain that will make it happen than if you continue to beat yourself up. 
Well, it's interesting because, as you said earlier on, um, it, it, um, it, it propels the motivational centers in the brain into action. You know, yeah. talk about that positivity motivates action when I think consensus reality often says it's, uh, you, know, the, as a, you know, the beatings, wear the T-shirt, yes, that right, will propel right. people into action, which, you know, really from, a, from the brain's point of view is not true. It will propel you into the kind of action that will have you avoid a snake, you know. Yes. And, if, and, and yep. there are times that, you know, there are times where, but they're, but they're not all the time, but there are times where saying to your child, no, with anger because they're about to touch a hot stove, that's great. But mm-hmm. saying to, you know, you're saying to your direct report, uh, you know, how many times have I told you this is not the way you do a report is not mm-hmm. going to motivate them to do a better job next time. In fact, it's just going to put them into a state of fear. Yeah, just or, even or thinking angry. about a, a report <laughs> or something is is probably you know propel them into fear because it's uh, again it's uh, it's the memory of of you know of those events that that often stops us from trying again and I think that's uh, you know that's particularly true I think for adults I think kids are you know I think potentially more resilient they just try and try again until you know they really master something it's uh, yeah it's it's very well said it's uh, very very, very appropriate for 2014 for the beginning of the year. So um, certainly, you know, I, I don't believe in resolutions, but I do believe in intentions. And uh, um, I, I think I would love to take this on and having an even more positive, um, positively wired brain would be just perfect. And I love the irrationality of it. That's, uh, <laughs> that is really a lovely stretch. <laughs> well, and if you're just thinking about, re- if you, so if you try to, you know, we, the brain wants to tell you it all has to make sense. But from a brain wiring perspective, from a place of turning your, helping yourself become less reactive and more creative from like a muscle building, you know, muscle building sense of the brain, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be rational. It really doesn't. You are what you're doing is you're creating the capacity for resilience. You're creating the capacity for positivity. And as Ursula said, when we hold ourselves more positive, the research shows we're much more able to see what's positive in others. And so if you've got someone who can never see the good in you, you can bet your bottom dollar they cannot really see it in themselves. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, that was lovely. Well, as always, um, fun. Uh, let's uh, let's also quickly uh, tell um, our listeners uh, what's uh, what else is going on um, at uh, Be Above Leadership. Um, you, yes. We have a wonderful website, um, www.beaboveleadership.com. Um, and uh, we have. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say we've got a couple of things coming up right away. So if you are in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, next week we have our flagship program, uh, Neuroscience 
consciousness and transformational coaching, and we still have like two spaces available in that. It's an intensive. We do not uh, think we most likely are not going to be back in Minneapolis in the near future. So if you are local and you've been thinking about this, this is the time to get in, and you can just um, you know check us out on our website, Be Above Leadership. Um, you want to talk a little bit about Florida, Ursula? Yeah, well, since I'm there, I might as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we have a, a wonderful program coming up um, January 22nd to the 26th. It's a residential program for those of you that are not Floridians uh, or live too far away from the Orlando area. Um, as I said, it's residential, and it's the mastery of effectiveness. It is a wonderful leadership program that, again, dives deeply into the neuroscience and and connects it to leadership and how we um, form and uh, form organizations, form our teams, and um, the neuroscience uh, behind that. All our trainings are very, very experiential and deep and fun. Um, so again, uh, Florida, um, it's, uh, it's a leadership program. It's residential starting January 22nd, and uh, details on that are off, uh, on the website as well. And then the, yeah, that's great. And then the only other thing is we, we also have programs starting in the first quarter of 2014 in Toronto and in Washington, D.C. So we are out there and then we'll be in London in May. And so we hope to see you somewhere in the world. Yeah, and we're in California in April as well. So oh, that's uh, right. in beautiful, yeah, in beautiful Corte Madera, uh, which uh, yeah, <laughs> that'll be that'll be just beautiful. I'm looking forward to that. So thanks, Anne, for a Thank wonderful you. morning, and uh, thanks uh, to all our listeners for for listening. And uh, we will see you in a month. Uh, we uh, usually are on the, f- the first Tuesday of the month, and uh, we will schedule the next episode. And you can find out about us uh, on our website or our Facebook page. And if you're on there, please like us. (laughs) Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.